Welcome to the Embodied Wealth Consciousness Podcast. I'm Julia Trinka, your host, shamanic leadership coach, and self-made millionaire. I'm obsessed with helping powerful spiritual entrepreneurs and revolutionary leaders to actualize a life and business of embodied wealth. I started my journey with literally less than nothing in my bank account. And once I discovered the path of wealth consciousness, my business revenue began to double and triple every year, and it hasn't stopped. I've helped thousands of ambitious, soulful women to access their millions and fully live their dharma. I'm currently holding my ceremony in the sacred lands of Sedona, and with each episode, I bring the energetic and the material together to bring you practical and effective tools to massively uplevel your purpose, your legacy, and your wealth. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to learn more about how we can support you in your expansion and revenue generation, visit getlifemastery.com. Let's get started. Hello, dear ones. Today, we are going into a feminine deep dive around all of the creative possibilities that exist for us when we choose to not compromise. Specifically, I want to share a little bit about the process both of writing my book as well as publishing my book, which is a bestseller, because I chose to not compromise in every aspect of it. The process of working with my publisher, the way that it was published, all of these things. So we're going to look at this specific example of the book. And I also want to open up the lens more broadly because compromise as a frequency is something that is going to have a major impact on anything that you want to create in your business and in your life. So a quick search of the antonyms of compromise, I was like, what? I wonder what the internet has to say about what the opposite of compromise is. It lists dispute, disagreement, misunderstanding, denial. Those are just a few. So Essentially, what we're looking at is compromise is the polarity of conflict, right? I will make a radical proposal. I believe that standing honestly in conflict has a far greater potential to bring us into deeper intimacy and transformation than compromise. All conflict is a pathway to intimacy if we allow it to be. But most of us are carrying some degree of conditioning around conflict that it's bad, that it's negative, that it's hurting people, that it means you can't get what you want, that it means that you're separate, like all these different things. So I I want you to just check in right now and notice, like, let's even put it on a scale of one to 10, Right. How much would you say that you are averse to being in conflict? And just broad strokes, 
right? Because it might be that there are certain places where you're very willing to get into conflict and other places where you're less so. But generally, is it something that you seek to avoid? Let's look at this metric one other way. How much would you say you are utilizing compromise as a tool to try to create and to get what you want? Scale of one to 10, with 10 being compromising all the time and one being never compromising. I want to help you to bring that number down, maybe to zero in terms of that second metric on how much you're compromising. Compromise immediately puts us at odds with what is true for us. And again, I'm, I'm holding a very extreme position here and I'm doing it for a reason. I guess at the very bottom of it, I don't actually believe that compromise exists. I think that when we are in a compromise, like a healthy compromise, I would say, one that both parties feel pretty good walking out of it, that it's actually just a deepening into values, right? One side or perhaps both sides simply realized that um, being a stand for the thing that they came in being a stand for wasn't as important to them as being a stand for something else. So I don't even think compromise actually exists. I think it's just a changing of positions. And the place where I think it's really worth taking a look is how women in particular will compromise before they even gather any evidence or data whatsoever. And what I mean by that is this, and I'm not picking on women, by the way, women are fantastic. Um, We are powerful beyond measure. And actually, I just experienced a synchronicity yesterday where through two completely different channels, um, I heard the transmission um, that the reason why women are the ones that give birth is because we're the ones who are powerful enough. We're the only ones who are powerful enough to bring a new soul into this realm. So I'm just pointing to the fact that culture conditions us in a certain way. We internalize those conditionings and there you have it. What I have seen a lot, even in very advanced practitioners, even in women who have been running successful businesses for years, is that they are fundamentally creatives, right? The, the women that I tend to serve, the men that I tend to serve as well, they tend to be mavericks. They're creatives. They're visionaries. They did not come here to succeed inside of somebody else's model. They came here to usher in to give birth to a new model. And not just once, but like as a way of being. Um, For myself, like I hardly ever make the same meal twice. Um, I, as soon as something works, I want to do something different. I want to find that next growth edge, that next challenge. I want to continue to innovate. It's just part of my DNA. It's what I love. And so I find myself in the position that many of my clients do where I want something and I want it to happen a certain way. I'm very clear in my vision, 
But the options that I see before me, none of them point to that. And what used to happen for me is that I would do one of two things. I would either forge ahead because, God damn it, I was going to have it. And I would just try to do it the way that you're supposed to do it. That was actually my pattern for a long time. And it was really, really painful. I'm not meant to have relationships the way that people have relationships. I'm not meant to parent the way people parent. I'm not meant to build a business the way that people build a business. Um, You can even ask my team, my social media manager, who's amazing, um, remarks on this constantly. She says, you know, you basically do everything the opposite of what people say to do. And we're having remarkable results and it feels so much fun, right? So I'm just not built to do things in a normal way. So when I would forge ahead and try to do it, it was at very high cost to me physically, energetically, emotionally, and often would work, but only for a while (laughs) before there was a crash and burn. Um, I did this with business. I did this with my first marriage. Uh, I did it in all kinds of ways. So that's option one. Another option that I see for a lot of my clients is they actually just stop, right? They, they feel stuck. They may not even realize that they're not actually stuck, but it's just that they're unwilling to go out of integrity to that degree, right? I would say I'm more on the side where I'd rather go out of integrity <laughs> and, and be able to move forward rather than be at a standstill, But for some women, they just can't. They can't go out of integrity. They don't see the option in front of them that they want. And so they're just at a standstill and they say they feel stuck, but they don't know why. So if you're in either of those positions where you feel stuck, but you don't know why, and you're really clear on your vision, right? You're clear on your vision, but you either feel stuck or you feel like it's incredibly hard and incredibly taxing and takes a vast amount of effort and resources to keep your life going, keep your business going, keep your client work going, then I want you to turn your attention towards the possibility that you're compromising on something that you shouldn't be compromising on. In my marriage now, which is to the same man, by the way, I married the same man twice, Um, different man the second time around, I was a different woman the second time around. But we don't practice compromise in our marriage. I want to say that really loud and clear because I feel like so many people make the assumption that great relationships are built on compromise. And as I said, I don't even really believe that compromise exists. I believe it's a matter of connecting to your true values. And when both people are anchored in their deepest value, the way forward is clear and no one's giving up anything. So we build a marriage on both of us getting what we want. That is our priority. Our priority is always on honoring both of our desires. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm just pausing here because I want to make sure I'm speaking completely truthfully. Like, First, we don't have a lot of conflict, but even in the conflict that we have, it's never because 
he wants something different than me and I don't want to, that there's actually that level of conflict that would even require a compromise. We're just not operating our relationship on that level. So that's your first clue, right? That you can make the decision that compromise is not an option and it's not necessary, that it's never needed. Just like you probably already have an agreement with yourself and with your life that like physical violence isn't needed to resolve an issue. (laughs) You know, like you don't ever think about it. It's not a decision that you have to make. You simply have decided at a deep, deep level so much that it's not a decision that you don't need to do that, that that's not what you do. You can do the same thing with compromise. So the second thing that I want you to look at is to actually just consider where you are compromising. In my experience, um, our vision is like anything else. Our mission is like anything else. There's a chunk of it that we can see. It's visible to us in the conscious awareness. And then there's a bunch of it that is on the other side of our conscious. It's actually unconscious. And so even though I'm sitting here saying my vision is so clear, What I mean is what I can see is really clear. I'm aware that there's a bunch of stuff that's on the other side. And I'm also aware that there is material, there is visionary material that kind of sits right on the edge, right? Right on the edge between the unconscious and the conscious. And that is where all the action is, truly. What I have seen again and again, both in myself, in the past, as well as in others, is that there's a part of the vision that's just barely on the edge of our consciousness. And it's so easy to override it. You know, so to really have allegiance to your vision requires so much attention. This is another reason why um, I'll talk more about the book in a moment, but a big portion of the book is dedicated to exploring the wheel of manifestation. And part of manifestation standard is practice, right? I'm a practitioner. I work with practitioners. And what's a practitioner? A practitioner is someone who practices. Um, There are a lot of people who are not practitioners. And it's just like a language that we then don't have in common. I feel most at ease with practitioners, (laughs) because there's something that happens in your field when you are a person of conscious practice. Of course, we're all practicing everything all the time, and what we practice is what we have. But when you are intentionally practicing, that's a muscle that you have that not everybody has. So I want to encourage you to make a practice of connecting with your vision, of casting it on the inner screen of your mind, paying attention to the details, paying attention to how they feel. This is very different than control, right? Control in this sense is hanging on to trivial details that don't really matter because you're afraid, because you're unwilling to surrender, because the ego death that is imminent is something that you are avoiding, Know the difference. 
and knowing the difference comes from practice. What I've seen is that if you compromise, usually things will stop. The money will dry up. The opportunities seem to go away. Of course, they're never really gone, but you won't be able to see them. And when you refuse to compromise as your greatest act of love, your greatest act of love, not just for yourself, certainly as an act of love for yourself, but actually as your act of love for the world. Because when you refuse to compromise, we could also say that that's refusing to lie. It's refusing to be dishonest about what really matters to you. It's being visible in what you value. This whole conversation came up um, because, of course, as I was in the process of writing my book and working with the publisher, working with the editor, um, you know, inside of that whole space, um, what other people were saying about their books was on my radar. And it was fascinating to me how many women are struggling with their books, some of them struggling to write it, some of them struggling to Um, get it published, you know, like all this time and energy and money spent on these different things um, that I would put soundly in the bucket of struggle. And what was really evident to me is that all of that struggle was a result of compromise. It's easy to see. I mean, by the way, if you can't really see somebody in what they're sharing on social media, like you have to read through that stuff, like see through it. Everyone is telling you who they are. We may think that social media is a place where we curate very specific messages, but actually we're so visible in ways that we don't even realize. So it was evident to me that these women were struggling and their struggle was compromise. So my book was not difficult to write. In fact, um, as I've shared in many places, the poetry, you know, this is, this book is part poetry. It's part guided ritual. It's part um, transformational self-reflection. It's part guidance in manifestation. But the poetry specifically was channeled. And I'll say more about this in a moment because it pertains to not compromising. But I didn't want to touch it. It's like the punctuation isn't consistent from poem to poem. The length isn't consistent. To a degree, the tone isn't even consistent. Um, Some of it reads like poetic prose, others um, much more like a standard poem. But these were channeled and they were actually more like artifacts than something that needed to be tinkered with. And the rest of the book was (laughs) much more like my regular writing, which is a form of channeling with a little little more fine-tuning. But for the most part, it just flowed through me. And the reason why is because I totally honor my writing process. Um... I, I can't say that I'm a person that doesn't benefit from discipline, but what I would say is that I'm very changeable. A lot of mercury um, <laughs> in my chart, 
Um, and mercurial is definitely uh, one of my main qualities. So what I can say is that I'm present enough with myself to know that there were certain periods of time where it was crucial that I made sure that the first thing that I was doing every single day was writing, right? Just doing it because it was the most important thing. There were other periods of time where that would have been a disastrous approach, right? So don't let anybody tell you that that's the way it has to be. There were other times, and I would say this is the more dominant time, where when the, flip, when the switch gets flipped and the channel is open, it's open. And my job is to be there to receive and to document. It just happens when it wants to happen. And so that's what a lot of this was. It was more about gathering a transmission as it was happening and doing my best to create the conditions for that. Punctuated with some periods where it needed to be much more disciplined. So that was me choosing to not compromise. I Rather than putting myself in a box, I actually paid attention to what wants to happen now. Truly. Not just like wherever my distraction is taking me, but what truly wants to happen now through me. It was the same with the publishing process. So as I was thinking about bringing this book into the world, um, I recognized that there were certain things from self-publishing that I wanted, and there were certain things from traditional publishing that I wanted, and there were things from self-publishing that I did not want Likewise, some things from traditional publishing that I did not want. So this would be an example of where I often see um, women stop, right? Because rather than being radically honest about what they want, they think that they want a traditional publisher, but they're trying to force a bunch of things into traditional publishing that don't belong in traditional publishing, Right? There's an important distinction here, remember, between control and not compromising. So if you feel like you're really, really clear on what you want and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and it's not happening, it's very likely, extremely likely that you are actually in control rather than in non-compromise. So for me, it was super easy Um I took a look at self-publishing and just immediately it felt terrible in my body, like even thinking about trying to do the layout or hiring a graphic designer, um, you know, it just, it did not take. Um, What I knew though, is that I wanted creative control over my book. I did not want somebody to go in with and mess with it. Um, I didn't want these artifacts to be distorted. I wanted them to be honored. So I wanted all of that creative control. I wanted my voice to remain my voice. And I also knew that I wanted certain things with traditional publishing. Um, The setting up of the book, right? The the actual design process of the book, Um, connecting with distribution channels, Um, really like all of the kind of heavy lifting of getting it out into the world. I did not want to take that on. And I know that if you're going to self-publish and actually have your book be out into the world in a significant way, there's a lot for you to do. Um, And I just was not a yes to that. So I was really clear about what I was available for and what I wasn't. 
And I just happened to be talking to a dear friend who had published her own book. Um, and it was kind of like a, just like a afterthought almost. I was like, oh yeah, you know, could you tell me about your publisher? Because I know that you went with a publisher and I'm, you know, taking steps forward on my journey and I'm just curious about your experience. And so we had a call and she shared everything and everything that she was sharing about working with this publisher, which is Muse Literary, by the way, I am, I'm not an affiliate of them, but, um, they are my publisher and I am a big fan, but it was everything that I wanted. It was everything that I wanted. And so it was easy. And I got on a call with um, one of the, I believe the founders and CEO, I think she's a CEO of the company, but we, we got on a call. Um, it was a great call and we decided to move forward. And the process was super fast and really, really easy. It wasn't rushed, but it moved quickly because that's what I wanted. And that's how it was. So this is how it gets to be. It's not meant to be difficult. And I want to challenge you that if you're consenting to that kind of story, like, well, maybe I'm just the kind of person for whom it's difficult. I, I actually had a really successful entrepreneur tell me that once. She was so convinced of it. You know, for me, it's just meant to be hard. And again, I'm not here to take anybody's reality away from them, but I don't actually believe that we are meant to live lives that run us into the ground so much that we need alcohol or drugs at the end of the day just to unwind or television or shopping or whatever else. I do not believe that we are here for lives that run us into the ground so much that we get sick multiple times per year or that we feel exhausted constantly. That's just like if you look at nature... That's not how nature is designed. You know, you, when you see like an exhausted or constantly sick animal, you know that there's something wrong in the environment. Why would we act that way? Why would we act any differently? That is when it comes to human beings, when it comes to ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us on the Embodied Wealth Consciousness Podcast. For more guidance on wealth generation as an expression of your dharma, visit GetLifeMastery.com. Remember to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And tag us on social media to share your insights and manifestations. We'll see you soon. And remember, heaven on earth begins within you.